church family. not already, you may be seated. Thank you guys for worshiping with us today. It's so good to gather in, in the house of the Lord. I, I love that we can gather in a public school gym and it's the house of God because his saints are gathered here. So love you guys. Great to be worshiping together this morning. All right. Um, kind of one just sort of large general announcement that has a couple of pieces to it. So some of this is for all of us in the room. Some of this is for you guys watching at home. just want to talk to you guys about worshiping on Sundays and our children for a minute, okay? So first of all, our children are worshiping together with us. So those of us who do not have small children in the room, we're going to have patience and grace and love. Um, we're thrilled that they're worshiping with us, all right? Parents, if you're in the room with small kids, a little bit of squirming is fine. If they get real loud or fussy, you can slide out for a minute, get them, you know, get them calmed down. There, there is a TV in the cafeteria live streaming the service. So if you need an extended period of time, you could, you could be in there and you don't have to worry about volume. So there's all of that. Now, here's the deal. We realize it feels weird to even say we're in uncertain times. We're in unprecedented times. It's like we're just living in it, right? We're just in it. Um, but here's the deal. We, we don't want to push or pressure anybody into anything, but we are trying to figure out what we're going to do about childcare as we move forward. And so we've sent out an email. If you've ever checked a kid into one of our classes before, you got an email a week or so ago. You'll get another one in the morning as a reminder. Parents, we need your input. Um, as, as school is maybe on the horizon, we're just trying to figure out if at that point when school's open, if, if parents are going to be ready for their kids to be in class um, and so here's what really matters. Would you put your kids in class? And pretty much just as important, would you serve? Because the parents who aren't ready to put their kids in class are also not going to be ready to serve. And so that's important to us. Here's the deal. We're going to figure this out as we go. If the answer right now is we're just not ready, we'll hold on and we'll keep doing this, all right? Um, there's never going to be a point, like when we do open up kids' classes, we're not going to force everybody to send their kids in you or look at you sideways, this space is open and welcome to our children. So we just want to know where you're at. If we're not ready now, we'll pause for a while. Maybe we'll circle back in a month, six weeks, and take the temperature again, see where you guys are at, all right? Okay, thanks for hanging with me for those announcements. Um, please give us your feedback. This week is kind of your last chance, at least for the moment, um, as we start making decisions. So parents, please give us your feedback on where you stand. That's really important to us. All right, well, let me pray one more time, and then we're going to jump into the message this morning. Um, this is not quite part three to the last couple of weeks that we've been doing. We've been talking about the armor of God over the last two weeks. We've kind of looked at that passage in Ephesians chapter 6 through the lens of the prophet Isaiah as we spent several weeks in the book of Isaiah. And so, um, but what we are going to talk about this morning as we move into the book of Jeremiah is prayer. The, the importance of prayer, and very specifically, I mean, we could spend weeks, if not months, on the topic of prayer, but very specifically today, we're talking about how prayer connects with purpose, prayer and purpose. That's what we're talking about this morning, and it's not a coincidence that Paul wraps up talking to the church about equipping themselves for the fight by wrapping the whole thing up and saying, you better pray all the time. <laughs> and not just like a half-hearted throwing a prayer at a wall, hoping it sticks, he says, pray, pray in the spirit. Like lean into the presence of God and pray. 
always, in all kinds of ways, in all, for all kinds of people. And so prayer is essential. So we're going to talk about prayer and purpose this morning. So what better way to start than to pray, all right? So, Father, we just come before you one more time. God, we thank you that you know us and you love us. God, that that is true even when we are lost in our sin, even before we've ever entered a renewed relationship with you. You know us and love us. And God, you know us and love us so much that you go to the greatest of all lengths to bring us back into relationship with you. And so we thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you willingly laid down your life so that we could be reconciled to God, so we could be brought into relationship. Lord, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that assures us that you are always with us. God, you're near us, you're around us, all of that, but Lord, you make your home within us. You dwell right here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you invade our lives. You are welcome here. God, I pray this morning as we open up your word and we get into this, God, that, that you would help us to see not just the importance of prayer, because you know, if we've been in church for any period of time, we're told that a lot. Lord, that, that we would understand the purpose of prayer. Lord, that we would see it as something to enjoy. God, that it's really a central part of this renewed relationship that we have with you. God, it simply means we can talk to you and you want to talk to us. And so, Lord, would you help us to hear your voice? Lord, you, would you invite us to respond to you? God, may we grow in our dialogue with you, our conversation with you. May we hear your invitation to relationship and simply say yes. God, would you make this word real to us this morning? May we apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so to give us just a little bit of background this morning, as, as we jump into the book of Jeremiah, we're going to be here for a couple of weeks. Um, a few things to, to know about Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied kind of in the time period known as pre-exile, um, before um, Israel, and then ultimately Judah. Judah was, was kind of the, the part of the kingdom of Israel. They had the split, okay, and so the kingdom of Judah which was around Jerusalem, Jeremiah is prophesying to them mostly before Babylonian captivity. Um, he does live into the captivity just a little bit. And so that's kind of the time that we're in. To give you a frame of reference um, for those of us who are reading through the scripture this year, if you start around King Josiah, that's when Jeremiah kind of shows up on the scene, and then he's prophesying right up till the exile begins. Um, and so that's kind of the time period that we're in. Now, this context matters. It matters to understand the scripture, but it also matters to understand, you know, God, there, there are seasons of life that I can be in that relate to, to seasons of life that God's people have been in in scripture. And so in this particular season, um, Judah is kind of just this tiny little kingdom in the midst of some major powers that are arising. And so there's Egypt that's always been kind of relatively strong. Assyria has kind of been the leading power, but Babylon is quickly gaining ground. And in fact, during Jeremiah's time period, Babylon ends up kind of overtaking Assyria, and then they're the ones that come in and kind of laser focus in on Judah and Jerusalem and take 
Judah captive, okay? And so that's what's happening here. Now, in the midst of this time, one of the things that's happening is that um, a couple of the kings even during this time, their advisors are encouraging them, let's make an alliance with Egypt. We're in trouble. Babylon's gaining strength. We might need some help. And so let's make an alliance with another unholy nation for protection. And one of the main things Jeremiah is speaking against is that very alliance. He's saying we don't need to be looking to Egypt for help and for strength. That's not where we're going to find the solution. As the people of God, we've got one hope. We need to turn to him. For most of us, the nation, the reason we're in this trouble is because we need to repent. And so we need to turn back to God. We need to look to him. He's our source of hope. And so one of, the, one of the main kind of prophecies Jeremiah is known for is he accurately predicted the 70 years of captivity and then that they would return. And so this is kind of some stuff that Jeremiah is known for in the period of time that he's living in, that he's prophesying in. So I want to start by just looking at, at really where the scripture starts. After it lays out in the first few verses the time period where Jeremiah is prophesying, it picks up with really the specific call on his life. And so we're going to use this as our launching point this morning. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now pause there for just a minute. Okay, I realize that this is a specific message to Jeremiah, right? He's, God's saying, I've known you from when I formed you. I called you for a purpose. Like, I know all about you, and you have a reason for being here, and here it is. While that is a specific truth for Jeremiah right there in that moment, that is a larger truth for all of us. God knows us. He's our maker. He's known about us before the foundation of the world. He had you in mind when he formed this earth. And he has purposes and plans for us. Verse 6 now. Then I said, so Jeremiah responds. The Lord speaks, Jeremiah responds. Then I said, ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Here's what I love about this. Jeremiah's first prayer isn't this like faith-filled, I'm ready to bring the word, let's go. He shows up where he is and he just gets real. God, that scares me. I I'm inadequate. I don't know what I'm going to say. But here's what I love about Jeremiah. He hears God and he responds to him. He's open to this dialogue. Verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And so this, this dialogue takes place and God says, listen, Jeremiah, I'm with you, man. Don't worry about your inadequacy and don't be afraid of what other people will do to you. He says, you have a purpose and you have a voice. That's what God's saying. You have a purpose. You're going to go accomplish some things. And you have some needed things to say. You have a purpose, you have a voice, and I'm with you and I'm going to take care of you. 
Now, while this is really personal and kind of a special moment between the Lord and Jeremiah, this should echo to us a lot of what we see throughout the Scripture. Over and over and over again in the Bible, we see God meet people right where they're at and have this dialogue with them. I mean, I remember everything from like Gideon hiding in the cave to Moses saying, I don't even know how to talk well, I, I stutter, like all of these folks along the way that God reaches out to them and their journey, their purpose, the adventure that God calls them to, guys, it starts with prayer. You know, so, sometimes I feel like we make this so mysterious. And, and I realize prayer is tough. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking to and trying to listen to someone I can't see. I, I admit, many times in my Christian walk, I'm, I'm just jealous of the disciples, man. Jesus is right there, you know. They can see him. They, can, they were allowed to shake hands back then, so they could shake his hand, give him a hug, you know. They, they could see his whole face. They didn't have to peer through a mask. Like, just that personal connection that they had with him. I, I love that. But I also do take some comfort in the fact that they still struggled in their faith. They still struggled to hear him, to understand what he was saying. They missed it at times. But they were just, they were real people that dialogued with the Lord. I'm grateful for the saints of old. I'm grateful for the early church who, who didn't see him. And they chose in faith to believe that he was real, that he did make them, and he made them with a purpose, and that he was available. And so, friends, I just want to encourage you. It's not the role of the prophet or the pastor or some sacred priest somewhere to be able to talk to God. He has given every single one of us the ability to have a relationship with him. Jesus paid for us to have that ability. And he meant for us to enjoy it. I could get off on some huge tangent about all the things Jesus was telling the disciples before he died. But he told them, stay connected. Stay connected to me. Stay connected to the Father. Like he invites us into this vibrant relationship. And, and prayer is at the core of that. Now, here's the other thing that I hope that you see in this passage and beyond in the scripture is that there is a specific connection between prayer, our, our dialogue, our conversation with God, and our purpose. There's a specific connection to them. Prayer is essential business. And the reality is that prayer and purpose go hand in hand. If I'm trying to find my purpose or live with a purpose or accomplish things separated from God, I'm missing the boat. Or if, if you're in the camp of at times falling for the lie that, that prayer is not really doing anything. And to some degree, we got to own that as believers because we throw around things like, I'll pray for you. And we don't really mean it. We don't really do it. There's no real spirit behind it, purpose behind it. It's just a throwaway line. But prayer is important work. And I better be willing, if I'm going to sit down and pray for someone, pray about a, a topic or a decision, part of, part of prayer is determining, God, when I enter this dialogue with you, I'm ready to follow where you lead. I'm not just asking you to do something about this. God, I am inviting a dialogue where you might talk to me about what you want me to do about this. A lot of the prayers we pray, God intends to use us as part of the answer to that prayer. Now, 
Listen, he's the ultimate answer. But often when we pray, he then leads us into the solution. That was Jeremiah's role. Hey, Jeremiah, you're going to participate in this. And so I would just encourage you, friends, if, if you've found at times that prayer seems to be a little kind of weak and meaningless, I would challenge you, challenge you to think, am I praying with a sense of purpose? Do I intend for action to flow out of this prayer? Or am I just throwing up a prayer and I'm moving on? Or the flip side, am I a person of action who neglects prayer and I end up getting really busy doing a whole lot and I haven't necessarily stopped first to talk to God? Lord, what do you think about this? What's your heart on the matter? Here's the decision I'm about to make. Here's the job I'm about to take. Here's the thing I'm about to go on. Here's this issue that I hear a lot of noise about and I'm really certain where I stand on that issue. Talk to him by prayed. We need to see the connection between prayer and purpose. They're essential. I believe this is why Paul emphasizes this. I just want to read this portion. Coming out of the armor of God and the fact that we need to stand strong in the evil day and God's given us everything to equip us for this. I will just say in passing, the last thing he says before this verse is take up the sword of the spirit. And then he says, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit. With all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Listen, really simply saying pray at all times with all kinds of prayer and stay alert. Pay attention. One of the ways, and I hope we'll see this more this morning as we dive into this, one of the ways that we begin to recognize what God is saying is by having our eyes open to what's happening around us. If, if I'm, I'm living alert, watching what's happening around me, and I'm in an open dialogue with him, he'll begin to speak to me about those very things that have got my attention. And so let's be alert. Let's be prayerful. We live with our eyes open to what's happening around us, but ultimately we have our eyes fixed on the Lord. And it's those two things working together that guide us. So let's spend some time in this. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about purpose. Let's start by talking about prayer this morning. So if you want to go with me to Jeremiah chapter 29, kind of the context of this chapter, Jeremiah is giving a word of encouragement and direction for the faithful who are in exile. So he's, he's talking to them now as they're in exile, like you're in it. Man, the enemy has you. You're not where you want to be. You're not home. You're in turmoil. He also is warning against those who would speak falsely on behalf of the Lord. And so people are going to send wrong or mixed messages in the midst of this difficulty. And so it's, it's two people who are feeling, not just feeling lost, they are. <laughs> they are not where they want to be. And so he's speaking to them, and the whole chapter is worth reading, but we're just going to grab a few verses here. Let's start in verse 11, because I want you to have that context. They're in exile when God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I, I want, I'm going to read that again because I want you to hear it, but before I do, guys, this is the basis or foundation of prayer. 
the, the basis, the foundation of prayer. God knows. He knows you and he knows where you are. When you lost you, as we were singing a few minutes ago, he knows right where you are, how you got there, and how to get you back. God knows. And his plan is for my good, even in the midst of difficulty. Don't, don't brush past that. Even in the midst of difficulty, even in the season of exile, even when I'm out of place, I'm displaced, I'm lost, I'm hurt, I'm frustrated, even there, in the midst of difficulty, he wants to say, I've got a future for you, and it's a hopeful future. And so hear this one more time. Let it wash over you. This is the foundation of prayer. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. How many of you guys feel really confident that you know the plans he has for you? My hand shouldn't even be up. <laughs> right? I don't. I'm, I don't know about you guys, I don't know what to even think might happen tomorrow. I, I love having things planned out. I'm a planner. You know, I'm not even like a planner. Like I want to know what we're doing next weekend. I, I'm like, I'm thinking about five years from now, ten years from now. And the Lord's making it so apparent to me right now. Buddy, not only do you not know what's happening right now, you've really never quite known what's going on out there in the future. But the foundation of prayer is he knows. He knows. That's a really good reason to pray. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the future holds. I'm maybe even feeling stuck and lost where I am right now. But there is one who does know. You know, maybe I should like talk to him. <laughs> maybe see what he might have to say. And so he says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And they're good plans. Guys, that's no small thing. There have been times in my life, more than I would care to admit, where my circumstance has ripped me off from being in God's presence because I have believed what I could see with my eyes and what I was experiencing in the world more than his promise that he has good plans for me. And I've looked at the circumstances of my life and gone, Lord, this doesn't feel like you care about me. This doesn't feel like you have my best interest at heart. This feels like I'm alone. This feels like you don't care and that you're distant. And so the foundation of prayer is not just that he knows what the future holds. It's that he has good intentions towards me. That's something we got to hold on to, friends. That there is a future. There is a hope. There is some purpose, even though I can't see it. He's good, and he's got this. That's the foundation. Now we move into verse 12. Then you will call upon me. See how it builds on the previous verse? Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. What a great promise. When I take the risk to lean in and say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you. He says, when you do that, when you call upon me, when you come to me, when you pray, I will hear you. Verse 13, he builds on this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What's he saying in verses 12 and 13 there? Prayer is not futile. 
He hears. He's also telling us prayer is not passive. Look at all of the action here. I call upon him. I come to him. I pray. I seek. I don't just seek. I seek with all my heart. Prayer is a pursuit. It's a pursuit of God and his presence and a desire to hear his voice. It's a calling out. It's a seeking him. Sometimes that seeking just means I'm waiting, but I'm listening. It's not always just I'm saying things. Some of the most meaningful times of prayer in my life have been when I finally just sat down and shut up. But I did it with some intentionality. Okay, God, I'm willing to sit here and listen to what you might say. Here's my blank notepad with a pen. Here's your Bible open in front of me. God, I need you. Lean him in. Pursuing him. He's worth pursuing because he knows. He's worth pursuing. He has my best interest at heart. And so let me lean in. That's the value of prayer. What's the goal? Verse 14. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Again, listen, this is a specific promise, a return from exile. But ultimately, I want you to hear this. The purpose of all prayer is a return home. God is is home. He's baseline. He's He's where we begin. He's where we end. He's where we are meant to be in the presence of God. And so all prayer is a returning home. Now, it could be as simple as this. I love God. I walk with him. I'm consistent with him. I go through my day. I've been trying to be conscious of his presence with me all day, but I get to the end of the day, and I'm, I'm stopping now and just remembering, God, thank you for your faithfulness today. Here I am with you. It's just that like return home. It can be in the familiarity of daily prayer. It can be a return home when we've been distant. Maybe it's specific to a sin or a struggle that's been been bringing distance in my relationship with God. Maybe it's just neglect and busyness. But when we pray, we're being brought into the very presence of God where Jesus said we are meant to abide. We abide in him. And so prayer is a return home. When we're like way lost or when it's just been like an hour since we last talked. You know that feeling, I hope you have this even still with your spouse, but you know that feeling when you, if you're married, when you, when you first met your spouse, when you first met that person and you're dating and it's like, do you remember that thing where maybe you were together and now you're on the drive home and you find yourself talking on the phone even on the drive home? Anybody ever done that? Or like as soon as you get home, if, if you're really old school, there weren't cell phones yet, so when you got home, you dialed back up and chatted for a minute, but I was just with you. How could I miss you? Yeah, but I love you. I can't wait to talk to you again. I can't wait to be connected. That, man, that's, that's prayer. We're in this love relationship with God. He loves us. We're meant to love him. And so every time we have that touch point of prayer, it's a return home. So with that, 
let's start where we are, wherever we are. If we're lost, if we're in trouble, let's start right there. Let's move, move forward a couple of chapters here. Jeremiah 33 now, verses 1 through 3. I love this specifically because it gives us a sense of where Jeremiah is. Jeremiah 33, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard. So he's, he's like in bondage. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Man, just start right where you are, even if it's a place of being stuck, and just call to him and he'll begin to talk to you. He'll begin to let you in on some things that that you don't know. Hidden things. Maybe hidden insights into where you're at right now. Why you're there. How you got there. How he might be leading you out of it. Maybe the hidden thing he wants to tell you is, hey, I don't even want to talk to you about where you're at right now. I want to talk to you about what I'm doing in here. There's some hidden things in here I want to work on. There's some stuff coming down the road. You just need to hang tight where you are. And look at this. Watch this. Here's what's coming. He'll talk to us. And so it doesn't have to be complicated. Let's call out from right, right where we are. And he responds to that. This comes back to what we were reading in Ephesians. Pray always and keep alert. Keep alert. Pay attention. I, I was kind of thinking about this this week. And so uh, on Friday, I'm, I'm getting pretty close to knowing, you know, the sermon's really coming together on Friday. That's usually a big study day for me. And I'd spent the morning in study and going through these passages and I was really feeling strongly like we were going to be anchored kind of in Jeremiah 29 a lot this morning. And like 11, 12, 13, kind of right in there. I just sort of had that sense. And so I do this thing where like I need a break after a while. Like I just need a mental break. And so I stop. It's lunchtime. And I do what we all do. We need a a break, you know, start scrolling Instagram. Um, I'm not a big social media guy. But like I sit down, got lunch, scrolling Instagram. And the first thing that pops up is a post from a friend. And you know, you know how every now and then folks will like share a graphic and maybe it's a graphic from like another pastor or a writer or something. And so my friend just shared this thing and it was a little quote accompanied by a verse. Here was the quote from Pastor Rick Warren. The more you pray, the more you're going to understand God's plan. You wanna guess what verse was attached to it? Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12. <laughs> now, you could just say, Jake, I mean, dude, you're just scrolling Instagram. You know, lots of your Christian friends are posting verses on there. It's coincidence. It's happenstance. You can think that if you want. One of the things that has, has been so crucial in developing my personal prayer life is paying attention and giving God credit when he speaks. And when you start to do that, you develop, it's almost like, it's almost like these special glasses, like you develop these special glasses where you start to see him where you had never seen him before. And there's all these cool little ways where God will show up, and here's the deal, it might not mean anything to you, but that doesn't matter, this is my relationship with him. And it meant something to me, because Whether I'd like to admit this or not, there's a lot of times where I have no idea if I'm on the right track when I'm 
preparing to speak on a Sunday morning. I hope I'm hearing his voice. I, I hope I'm sharing what y'all need to hear, not just what I needed to hear myself this week. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. And those moments where God just comes along, and for me, on, on Friday at lunch, that was just the nudge that said, you're headed in the right direction. You're hearing my voice on this. And so I gave him credit for it. God, thank you for, for that. Thank you for that little bit of encouragement. Listen, that's a small, simple story, but that's kind of my point. Don't make prayer this thing that's beyond you. That's so mysterious, we can't do it or experience it. We're wired to hear God's voice and be in his presence. Let's spend time with him and then stay alert. Watch little ways he may speak to us. And he's faithful to do it. And it was just like this little hidden nugget, and I was so grateful for it. And see, as we live this way, prayer starts to make that transition from not only being something personal, it starts to involve me in the larger realm of what God's doing. Back in Jeremiah 29, while he's speaking to them about the place where they are in Babylon, being in exile, he's not just talking to them about prayer and about how one day in the future he's going to bring them back. He talks to them about where they are right then. Jeremiah 29, 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. See, we begin to get our eyes not just on ourselves, although God wants to do business with us. We begin to get our eyes on what's going on around us and pay attention. Listen, there, there is opportunity around us everywhere. There are needs everywhere. There are serious issues everywhere. And that can be overwhelming, it can be confusing, it can cause me to grab hold of stuff that he isn't necessarily calling me to do. It can also call me, cause me to throw my hands up and just say, forget it all. Like, I'm just going to live in my own little bubble over here and just take care of me. And God's not calling us to either of those things. But what prayer does is it opens up our eyes to kind of the mission kind of right in front of us. Um, I had this really cool experience in this last week. We've got a, a neighbor that's had some health issues recently, and... We've kind of tried to make ourselves available to help any way that we can and didn't really know what to do. And so um, last weekend, about seven or eight days ago, it's like a Friday or Saturday last weekend, and I just noticed their yard's getting long. And so I'm kind of just, just paying attention to it, just start thinking like, and I sort of get this thought, if, if they go all the way through the weekend and they aren't able to mow their grass, I've got some time on Monday, I was going to mow my grass on Monday, I'll mow their yard. Just this little thought. I'm not even saying it was this huge prayer, but it was just kind of this sensitivity. I see my neighbor. We don't know him super well. We've had some interaction. And so Monday afternoon rolls around. I'm mowing my grass, and I'm on a hillside, and my neighbor's on the hillside, and it's not easy mowing that. But I just, I kind of suck it up, and I go down, and I start mowing their yard. And I'm, I'm mostly done with their front yard. My daughter runs out with a glass of water, and the coolest thing happened. A different neighbor on the block comes running out, and he goes, I was thinking about mowing their yard too. I'll tell you what, let me take care of the back with this bigger riding mower I've got if you can just kind of cut in around the rest of the house. Deal. And it ended up being this cool thing where here's what happened. It wasn't just that I was able to help a neighbor. It engaged other people in the community, and we found ourselves working together. 
Now listen, what if I had neglected to mow that yard and I saw my neighbor out there? Well, then I would have had the opportunity to go join him. What if we had both neglected that little thing that said, go mow your friend's yard, your neighbor's yard, right? Guys, God has what's needed to meet the needs around us. If we will listen for his voice and see the things he puts in front of us, it could be as small as mowing a neighbor's yard. It could be a lot bigger issue than that. But if I'm open, my eyes are open, if I'm listening to him, if I realize that while I'm living in exile, because here's the truth, the amount of time that we have on this planet right here, right now, that's exile if you're a follower of Jesus. We are not of this world. There's a future world for us. There's a new heaven, there's a new earth. Like, he's got purposes and plans for us. He's got a place for us there. That's home. We are exiles here. But what this verse is about is about moving from the mentality of being in exile to the mentality of being an ambassador. And we're called to that too. And so as I engage God in prayer, he invites me into purpose. And so I wanna just make this last connection this morning and then we'll wrap things up. Prayer is meant to be connected in purpose and this is how it happens. This is how it happens. If we're doing it right, prayer leads to kingdom action. If you're a prayer warrior and you never get off your couch, you just have to say, maybe it's time to do a little more listening in prayer. Maybe it's time to get our eyes up and look around a little bit and see where the Lord might lead us. Prayer leads to kingdom action. I don't want to say this as any type of like me trying to put something on any of you. I just want to encourage us each to consider this, okay? During this strange and difficult time that we're in, are we checking out? Are we checking out? Because I think there are right and good things that we should be doing to be careful and be cautious and distance and take care of our family and, and also take care of others because I'm cooperating with that, is Am I open to the fact that because things are different right now, I could check out if I'm not careful? When in reality, I think maybe what God might be up to, at least one of the things, is redirecting us. Maybe even to stuff we were missing because we just thought all the activity that we had back in January and February and long before that was just the right stuff. Well, I went to church and I showed up at Life Group and I did the check, check, check. But I think one of the things he might be up to is redirecting us to keep our eyes on him and our eyes open to what he might be calling us to. There are needs at your house right now that he has purposes and plans for and wants to invite you into. But there are needs around us in our community and how might God call us to lean into those? I believe we're called to live with kingdom focus and kingdom purpose. And it's rooted in prayer. It's rooted in being in the presence of God. I want to finish with this verse and, and a cool example. Or I think it's a cool example. It spoke to me this week. Um, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah is talking, and you, you really could read the rest of the passage around this to get the full sense of it. It's kind of a familiar verse. Jeremiah is talking, he says, If I say I will not mention him, talking about the Lord, 
or speak up any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Right? Jeremiah's talking about this fire shut up in his bones. Like, I've just got this passion. i got to say this thing. And when we read that verse out of context, right, it just seems like Jeremiah's fired up. Like, even if I wanted to hold it back, I can't. Well, if you read the whole passage, what he's actually saying is, I kind of wish I could hold it in. <laughs> Things are hard, and this is going to cost me something, but I have leaned into the Lord, and I have let him implant stuff in me, and it requires action because he's called me to purpose, and it requires speaking up because he's given me a voice, and so it does burn within me, and it compels me to do something. It compels me to act. Because I've taken in what he has said, it's lit a fire. And that fire has to spread. I think one of the biggest misconceptions when we talk about purpose in life is we think we mean the stuff we're going to really love and really enjoy. It's going to be awesome. I'm not saying living in our purpose won't be enjoyable and fun and awesome. But what I am saying is that both from personal experience and reading Almost every example in the scripture of God's people who were called according to his purpose, usually what living out God's purpose means is that there's going to be some difficulty along the way, and it's going to cost me something along the way. That's the truth. Doesn't mean it won't be fulfilling and satisfying. There's a future. There's a hope. But living out my purpose doesn't mean, what's that thing that gives me all the bubblies in my heart and gets me all excited? Purpose means I've talked to my maker and my God, and I've let him speak into my life. And he's both given me big picture purpose in life, and he gives me little purposes every day. Here's what he's calling me to today. Here's what's in front of me today. Because my purpose is flowing from prayer. I want to close with this example. I don't know if you've heard of this gal or not, but um, Maya Moore, she's an awesome basketball player. She went to UConn, won national championships, player of the year. She goes on to the WNBA, and she, she's awesome. She's an all-star. Her, her WNBA team has won championships. She was the MVP, meaning she was the best player in the league. And at 29 years old, prime of her career, like right in the heart of her career, at the height of her powers in basketball, this is a little over a year ago now, she walks away from the sport. And the reason she walked away is that she said, I feel called to ministry. I've felt it for a long time. And she had a specific focus, and it was around a case of this guy called um, Jonathan Irons. I would encourage you to look up the story, Maya Moore, Jonathan Irons. This is a young man who at 16 years old was convicted of breaking into a house and seriously wounding the person living in that house while trying to steal. He was 16 years old. By the time he went to trial, he was 17 going on 18. They tried him as an adult. He was convicted of that crime and has spent over 20 years in prison. And one day, Maya Moore, follower of Jesus, she's on vacation. It's her senior year of high school. She's on vacation, and they're on vacation with some friends. And so her godparents are on this vacation, 
and she sees her godfather going through these files. And she's like, what is that? And he goes, oh, it's, it's this case of this guy that my father met doing prison ministry, and I think he's innocent. And, and I've been trying to figure out a way to help this guy. And so she gets drawn into this. Here's the story of this guy she's never met while on vacation, pays attention, and she just, she, she pays attention to it. She meets the guy. She gets involved. Well, meanwhile, she goes to college. She goes to the WNBA. She goes on in her career, and she begins to realize we can do something about this. And so for years and years, she'd been putting money towards helping this guy get his case retried. And so all that fast forward leads to her at 29 saying, I'm retiring from basketball. This is going to have my focus. She goes to court. She goes to meetings. She pays the bill. She foots the bill. I'll, I'll spare you all the details, but there was zero fingerprint evidence. There was no weapon. In fact, there was a fingerprint on the back door of someone else, not the homeowner and not Jonathan Irons. And so I can tell you that Maya Moore saw this thing through to the end, and as over, over just a little bit, of, like a week or 10 days ago, he was released from prison, and they overturned the conviction. She had a heart, not just for the larger issue of like criminal justice reform, although she has a heart for that. She was led to this specific moment, this person, this issue. And you know what? I'm going to look into it. I'm going to pay attention to it. And I know that God has a heart for those who are oppressed and imprisoned, especially if falsely imprisoned. And she leaned in with her life at great cost to herself. She laid down her career. She put financial resource behind it. And she saw this man set free because she lived with purpose seeing the opportunity in front of her. Friends, we don't have to go hunting down problems. We don't have to go hunting down where there might be trouble. We need to lean in and talk to our God. And we need to open our eyes and see what he might lead us into because I can say yes to that thing. I can say yes to this moment, this person, this situation. I love this quote from Maya. I have just been trying to take it one season at a time, one day at a time. This is a real life situation. It's not a cause to me as much as it is a real person's story. I definitely see myself having purpose in this criminal justice space because unfortunately there's so much work to be done. She sees past just one big issue and she sees a person. God, you brought this person across my radar for a reason and I'm gonna lean in and do something about it. Friends, that's my hope for us. That we would, we would see the power of prayer and the connection to living on purpose. That we could see that God wants to use us to accomplish kingdom purposes in this earth. And they're based in who he is, what he knows, what he's up to now and in the future. They're based in his presence with us. That prayer is us being with him. 
And then we're, we're filled, we're directed, we're empowered to live on purpose and accomplish some things in this earth for the benefit of others and for the glory of his kingdom. Friends, prayer is essential. And if I'm doing it right, it will lead to purposeful action in my life and in the world around me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you have made a home for us. You've brought us into your family. We are sons and daughters. Lord, I pray that, that more and more in our lives, God, we, we wouldn't get lost in the trap of trying to figure things out on our own. But God, we would regularly return home to you. God, that we'd come as we are, that we'd verbalize where we're at. We can bring you our insecurities. We can tell you our problems and our struggles. But God, I pray we'd go beyond just things that we have to say to you. God, that we would really be open to the full dialogue. God, that we would hear your voice. That as we seek you, as we listen, as we respond, God, that you would give us eyes to see what you want to do in our life, and what you want to do in the world around us. Thank you that you know. Thank you that you love us and you're ever present. Thank you that you do have a heart towards us that is good, with a future and a hope. God, may we seek you with all of our heart and see what happens when we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we love you guys. Thanks for worshiping with us today. We'll see you soon. Let's be prayerful. Amen.